The following is a presentation of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Powered by Learfield. Welcome to Inside Eagle Nation, your official podcast for Georgia Southern Athletics. Fantrice's debut continues to impress. Four touchdown passes has just tied a Georgia Southern school record. It is 44-7. Inside Eagle Nation is brought to you by Morris Bank. It pays to bank blue. Bud Light. Responsibility has its rewards. Enjoy responsibly. And by Savannah Hilton Head International Airport. Shot fake to get around Anderson. Lane, there's another highlight reel dunk. Check the rim and check the bolts. He almost ripped it off the backboard. It's a game-by-game thing with Kamari Brown. Eagles fans, this is your all-access pass to all things true blue. It's time to take you inside Eagle Nation. And as Coach Russell will say, you ain't seen nothing yet. And now, here's your host, the voice of the Eagles, Danny Reed. Eagle Nation, it's great to see you again. Episode 219 of the Inside Eagle Nation podcast has arrived, and what a last few days it has been in Eagle Nation. Over the weekend, evening with the All-Stars was a huge hit in anticipation of the start of the Georgia Southern baseball season on February 17th against West Virginia. Special guest Andrew Jones gave a wonderful talk, had a great Q&A session with Terry Harvin in front of a sellout crowd over at the Neesmith Lane Ballroom. Optimism is high for this spring, and we know Georgia Southern baseball can't wait to see what they they do for an encore after 41 victories in 2022, which included hosting the first NCAA regional in school history. Also had the Little Eagles Clinic over the weekend at J.I. Clemens Stadium. And up in Atlanta Saturday night, Georgia Southern alumni hosting Casino Royale at the renowned Fox Theater. It's safe to say that everybody in blue and white is in tip-top shape heading into the spring, looking forward to the most successful spring in program history. We'll start things off with a team that's going to be starting this weekend as Georgia Southern softball starts its season this weekend in Tuscaloosa as part of the Easton leadoff classic taking on number nine Alabama and Lehigh in four separate games over two days but the Sunbelt Conference announcing that the Eagles were picked 11th out of 12 teams in the preseason polls following those four games in Tuscaloosa this weekend Georgia Southern is back at Eagle Field to play 11 consecutive games in Statesboro it begins with Batch of the Bro next weekend starting February 17th against Long Island you've also got the Gatta Challenge the following weekend and a midweek home game against South Carolina, and we'll talk plenty more with head coach Sharon Perkins in this week's feature interview on Inside Eagle Nation. Women's Rifle finished up the regular season with its fourth consecutive win, but this was special for a different reason. It was also senior day over at the Shooting Sports Education Center, honoring the careers and contributions of Ashley Judson, Lillian Herring, Gabby Morrow, and Anna Mayo. But the Eagles picked up their 16th consecutive victory in Southern Conference play, another full season unblemished in SOCON action, as they take down UAB, setting a school record in the aggregate. No surprise that Addie Bro took home first place in all three disciplines, and she was also named the SOCON's Air Rifle and Small Bore Athlete of the Month for the third time this season. Next up for the Eagles, it's the NCAA qualifier against number 19 North Georgia. That will be here in Statesboro at the Shooting Sports Education Center starting February 18th at 8 a.m. Before the team heads to Southern Conference Championship competition in Charleston March 4th 
and March 5th. Women's tennis started its spring season led by head coach Sean McCaffrey, whose squads have participated in two of the last four league championship matches. Lost 7-0 in their debut against Clemson, though if you look at some of those finals, that was a lot closer than the clean sweep would indicate against those Tigers. Bounced back on Sunday, though, in the upstate, sweeping Wofford 7-0. They'll be in action on Saturday at 1 p.m. in Orangeburg, South Carolina against South Carolina State. Then it's a three-hour bus trip back down 301 to the Wallace Tennis Center for a Sunday competition against Jacksonville State at 1 p.m. Women's golf started its season yesterday at the FAU Paradise Invitational at Osprey Point Golf Club down in Boca Raton. We will have full results on Mimi Burke's squad coming up on next week's edition of Inside Eagle Nation. And track and field was in competition over the weekend at the South Carolina Invitational at the Carolina Indoor Track and Field Complex. And for the second straight time, school records were broken. Divine Parker set the 200-meter school record at Georgia Southern in the opener at South Carolina. Well, she did one better this past weekend, breaking her own mark, and Georgia Southern also set the 4 by 400 meter school record. They're back on the road this Saturday in Birmingham, Alabama at the Sanford Bulldog Open. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk Georgia Southern men's and women's basketball, and we'll also have a sit-down with Jarek McKinnon as he prepares for Super Bowl 57 with his Kansas City Chiefs. You're listening to Inside Eagle Nation. Georgia Southern men's basketball is hunting for its first Sun Belt Conference championship. At Eagle Nation, we need you to pack Hanner Fieldhouse. The Eagles are back home Thursday, February 9th against James Madison at 7 p.m. and Saturday, February 11th against Arkansas State at 3 for salute to service. Cheer on the Eagles as they host the Dukes Thursday, February 7th at 7 and the Red Wolves Saturday, February 9th at 3. Georgia Southern basketball, get your tickets now. Welcome back to Inside Eagle Nation. We'll get to Georgia Southern men's and women's basketball and that talk with Jarek McKinnon in just a moment. But Georgia Southern men's golf beginning its spring season with the Thomas Sharkey Individual Collegiate that finished up yesterday at the Georgia Southern University course. Mason Williams won the event last year. And this year, it was another Eagle that took home top honors. But we got to look into the future as it became the present. True freshman Parker Claxton from just down the road at Pinewood Christian Academy wins the showcase with a nine under par, shooting a brilliant 66 in round two to win by four strokes as Pedro Cruz Silva of Mississippi State came in at five under par. But the true freshman Parker Claxton wins the Thomas Sharkey Individual Collegiate. Eagles just missed having two in the top ten as Colin Bowles finished tied for 11th at two over par, but he did what he could in the final day, shooting a final round 70 to finish at 2-1. The Eagles will begin team competition this weekend in Gainesville, Florida, as for the 22nd consecutive year, they participate in the Gator Invitational. That will be Saturday and Sunday. Georgia Southern women's basketball enjoyed a homestand last weekend, and boy, did they perform on the defensive end of the basketball. On Thursday, the Eagles took down Georgia State in a dominant 74-49 victory, thanks to 19 points and 9 rebounds from Taryn Ward, holding the Panthers to 34% from the field, while Leandria Gillis chipped in with 15 first-half points on five threes, finishing with 17 overall. Eagles scored 22 points off of 20 Panther turnovers and had 19 offensive rebounds for a team that enters this week fourth in the country in total boards. It continued on Saturday in a highly touted matchup against James Madison. Remember, the Eagles ended James Madison's winning streak a couple of weeks back in Harrisonburg, and they continued with a 72-61 victory in a game that featured the league's top two scorers in Taryn Ward and Jay 
AMU's Kiki Jefferson. Ironically, both came off the bench this game. But it was Georgia Southern's Taryn Ward that went for 25 points on 4 of 4 from downtown. As part of a 7 of 12 overall effort, she made 11 of her 13 free throws. And again, the Eagles generated offense out of forced turnovers. 21 points off of 20 Duke giveaways as Georgia Southern sweeps the season series from a team that they are currently battling with, trying to get a top four seed for next month's conference tournament. After the two victories, the women finished the weekend 15-6, and 7-5 and five in conference play, which is currently 7th in the league. The only reason for that is because there is a five-way tie for second place at 8-4 and four behind Troy, which is 10-2. and two. This weekend, two on the road beginning in Norfolk on Thursday at 6.30 against Old Dominion, and then Saturday in Boone against Appalachian State at 2 p.m. The women only have two home games left this season. They'll be back at Hanner Fieldhouse on February 16th against Marshall at 6 p.m. for Black History Night and Senior Day on Saturday the 18th against Coastal Carolina. A reminder, the Little Eagles Clinic will be held that morning at 10.30. You can register online, gseagles.com slash wbbclinic. Registration will begin on site at 9.45 that day. And then a 2 p.m. tip against the Shawna Clears for Senior Day. It is also Pack the House in Pink for Breast Cancer Awareness. Georgia Southern men's basketball was on the road again, playing for the third and fourth consecutive times away from Hanner Fieldhouse, ending a stretch of six of eight on the road before concluding the season with four of six in Statesboro. On Thursday, it was up in Atlanta at the all-new GSU Convocation Center with Georgia Southern taking on Georgia State. Eagles did have a 27-25 halftime lead, but the Panthers put together an 11 to nothing run early in that second half. Georgia Southern got within one at 40-39, but the Eagles ultimately fall of the Panthers 64-60 to split the season series, despite 16 points from Jalen Finch, 14 of which came after halftime, while Andre Saversoff added a career-high tying 12 rebounds and 3 steals. The road trip continued and ended on Saturday night in Norfolk against Old Dominion, looking to get some revenge on the Monarchs after that overtime loss in Statesboro earlier this year. And even though Georgia Southern built a 12-point first-half lead thanks to 8 points from Nate Bradford, a career-high for the true freshman from Raven Gap. Old Dominion closed the deficit to a 30-30 tie by the half and outscored the Eagles by six after the half, which resulted in a 64-58 win for the Monarchs. Double-doubles were recorded by Carlos Curry and Andre Saversoff. For Saversoff, 11 points, 11 boards for his fifth of the season. Curry with 11 points and 13 rebounds for his fourth of the year. We talked with head coach Brian Berg afterwards on the Ford Locker Room wrap-up. Now that the road trip is finally over, Georgia Southern can finally get back home, looking to close the season strong, going into Sunday. Belt Conference tournament play. It was a physical game like we thought it was going to be. There was a stretch in the first half that really hurt us. Two back-to-back transition threes where we just didn't get out. And uh, we had a nice nice lead, especially in the first half. Thought controlled the tempo, had good execution. And uh, really we're getting stops. And that, that, that part in the first half really hurt us. And you went through the second half. You look at that game. Uh, guys competed. I thought we had plenty of shots at the rim that yeah. we just we just didn't, we didn't finish especially late in the game. You know, I think it was a two-point game. You know, five times I think we got stops. We just weren't able to convert. Uh, good effort. We just have to have a consistent effort similar to that, night in, night out, especially on the defensive end, you know, holding an opponent to, you know, 33% for the game. Uh, but you got to find a way to, to make, some, make some baskets, especially some bunnies. But uh, I don't knock those guys' effort. You know, the locker room, those guys came out and competed tonight. One thing we can take away from that, we have to have that consistent effort night in, night out. A lot to like. Double-doubles for Carlos Curry and Andre Saversov. Jalen Finch, five assists and no turnovers in 33 minutes in 
the boost that Nate Bradford gave you guys. He had eight points in five minutes in that first half, giving a glimpse of what the future is going to be like for him. Those guys stepped up, gave us really good minutes. Nate knocked down some shots. Um, just proud of those guys to be able, when their name is called, to be able to step in and give us quality minutes today like they did. It's the end of a long road trip. You've played six of your last eight away from Statesboro, four in a row. You get four of your last six at home, trying to get into that top four to get that double bye in the conference tournament. You said that effort-wise, it's where you want it to be, but what's going to help make the difference for this team the last three weeks of the season? Just to be the, you know, be consistent like we just talked about. That consistent effort has to take place in everything that we do. Coming home, we need to have a good homestand, play good basketball, continue to be able to defend like we did tonight. We haven't done that in about four games. We were able to defend, get stops against an extremely physical and disciplined team. And then we were all able to rebound tonight. We had 15 offensive rebounds, which was a spark that we needed. Um, we're going to have to end up flipping the script, being able to defend as well as making shots close to the rim. And then uh, i got to put these guys in position to be able to score more in the half court, but we also need to get some transition baskets, just finding some easy ways to be able to get some points. Four out of six at home to wrap up the regular season, beginning on Thursday night, 7 p.m. tip, as Georgia Southern welcomes the James Madison Dukes trying to split that season series. It will be equity and inclusion night at Hanner, and we will also honor the scholar-athletes that received better than a 3.0 GPA during the fall semester at halftime of that contest against JMU. Airtime on the Georgia Southern Sports Network will be 6.30 on Thursday for the Cutwater Spirits Countdown a tip-off as Mark Byington makes his return back to Statesboro since taking over the James Madison program in 2020. Saturday, Georgia Southern plays its only matchup of the season against Arkansas State, set for a 3 p.m. tip on Salute to Service. Our airtime on the network will be 2.30. And for Georgia Southern football, we referenced this last week, Jarek McKinnon, former Eagle running back, quarterback, and defensive back. Remember what he did against Maine in the playoffs in 2011. Well, he gets a chance to play in his first ever Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. Such an honor for the Jets. Remember with San Francisco a couple of years back, he was injured, didn't get a chance to put on the pads, but now he is one of the featured backs for that vaunted Chiefs offense as they play in Super Bowl 57 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Last week, our Brian Johnson had a chance to catch up with the Jet. It's been a whirlwind these last few days, but he can't wait to play in the biggest game he's ever played in. How different of a feeling is this Super Bowl from three years ago when you were on the IR knowing that you'll be on the field and playing this time? Oh, it was way different. Um, you know, like you said, I didn't play. The last time I was there, I didn't play. So, uh, you know, it was the same experience, but, um, you know, it's different when you're not on the field. Uh, you know, you're wishing you could be out there to help the team, and, you know, you feel like you can make plays that can help the team win. And, um, you know, the first time I wasn't able to do that. So this time I'm looking forward to doing it. Uh, I have a chance to suit up and play. So it's uh, definitely a blessing uh, after looking back on everything that's happened. Did going through that experience with the 49ers help prepare you for all the distractions and requests of this time? Um, yeah. Uh, I would just say, you know, when I went through what I went through in San Fran, I, there, there hasn't been, a, um, I guess, a, a lower point in my career mm -hmm. or um, as far as, you know, things that come with, you know, the nature of, you know, being hurt and, you know, two back, two knee surgeries back to back, and you know, how it's gonna work out or whatnot. So, uh, I definitely think it's, it's helped in a way or form of faction, but I wouldn't credit everything to that experience. You know what I mean? Gotcha. How many how many friends and family will be heading to Arizona, and what's that process like as a player juggling trying to get ready for the game, but also all the requests for tickets? Uh, I got a group. Of, I got a good group of people coming. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, solid 
solid foundation of, you know, why I'm here. So, um, you know, for me, it's just, you know, I don't know I wanted to handle everything up front, get it done, then, you know, mm-hmm. once everybody knows that they scored away, then, you know, the quicker I get that done, the more I can just focus on what I'm focused on. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it's been, it's, been, it's been hectic, but, you know, it's part of the process, and, uh, you know, all you do is embrace it because it's hard to get to this point. Yeah. How much did your experience in a physical Georgia Southern offense help prepare you for the physicality and demands of a, being a running back in the NFL? Um, so when I first got into the league, I, I, mean, I didn't really know how much it would help, but, um, you know, the way we practiced down there was really tough. And, um, you know, Coach Munkin, he was an old school coach, and um, I've been blessed and fortunate to play, you know, under a lot of great coaches um, in my career. And the majority of them have been old school. So, you know, and that aspect of, you know, the work and, you know, training camp and the grind, all that stuff definitely transferred over and, um, you know, made it easier in that aspect to, you know, take coaching, accept coaching, um, you know, get better from it and move on. When was the last Georgia Southern game you attended and do you still keep up with the team? I keep up with the team. I haven't been to a game in, in years. I, I haven't been to one since I left. Mm-hmm. Every every year we have a bye week. Um, it seems like Georgia Southern, they either had a bye week or they had an away game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really want to go to an away game. I want to come <laughs> home. So, <laughs> you know me. Yeah. I've been waiting to uh, get to a game back at Paulson. But, um, you know, it's definitely something I miss. You know, I still talk to some of the guys that I play ball with down there. And, um, you know, it's, it's a brotherhood. Um, you know, whenever that, that day does come that I can get back to a game, it definitely will be an amazing experience, I believe. Well, hopefully maybe this fall when we get our schedule in a couple weeks, we can we can get you back exactly. here. Um, exactly. Only two other former Georgia Southern players have a Super Bowl championship ring. What would it mean for you to join that club? Um, man, just another special moment, um, you know, um, another blessing and um you know a big uh not just for me but for you know george southern as well you know just to bring you know that recognition and um you know all that attention to the school as well because you know uh you know when i was there we was one double a and now we're sunbelt but you know we're not power five but um you know the more attention and awareness i can bring to the school the better awesome finally last thing do you have anything you'd like to say to the uh georgia southern fans and what i would call our eagle nation i know you guys are playing the eagles but talking to our eagle nations anything you'd like to say to our fan base oh man i definitely want to say i appreciate everybody because without y'all i would not be here uh, you know um the tradition um, you know, all the games and all that stuff, you know, it feels like it was yesterday, even though it seemed, it's really long. It seems like it was just yesterday. But, uh, you know, just, you know, just a great fan base and great support, you know, the coaching staff, you know, no matter how that shapes out, you know, the love and all that stuff still remains the same. But, you know, just a big shout out and a thank you. Uh, I love you guys. I appreciate everything y'all done for me. And, um, you know, like I say, like we say, one more time. One more time indeed, Jed. We will watch you on Sunday. Hopefully you'll get a chance to hoist up that trophy and earn a Super Bowl ring. After this break, we're talking Georgia Southern softball with head coach Sharon Perkins, whose team begins the 2023 season in Tuscaloosa on Friday. This is Inside Eagle Nation. Hello, welcome to another bank. Please just say what you need help with. Check my balance. I heard pay a bill. Is that correct? Uh. 
When you bank at Morris Bank, you won't be greeted with an automated response system or wonder if you're just another account number because real relationships make community banking better. Morris Bank and Georgia Southern football were built on the same blue-collar mentality. And at Morris Bank, blue isn't just a part of our ad campaign. It's a part of our DNA. Morris Bank is proud to be the season-presenting sponsor of Georgia Southern football. Bleed blue, bank blue. Morris Bank, member FDIC. Back with more of this week's edition of the Inside Eagle Nation podcast. Georgia Southern softball starting this weekend, heading down to the Easton leadoff classic in Tuscaloosa for a pair of games against Alabama and Lehigh. About to speak with second-year head coach Sharon Perkins. Perk, it feels like you've been here a lot longer than just going into your second season, but it's great to always sit down with you, and I'm sure you're excited about a new season. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, we're excited. I mean, finally get to play somebody other than ourselves in, in all these practices that we're doing, all the gameplay stuff. So excited to get in an awesome environment uh, with a lot of fans and uh, get some good teams. It was an intense offseason after a 13-34 and 34 campaign, your first in Statesboro. But to see the progress that was made in just one fall, going 5-1, and one, taking South Carolina to the limit, I know you're going to get a chance to host them here in just a couple of weeks. But what did you really see as far as growth for this team going into the season? Yeah, I think growth in all aspects. I mean, first and foremost, just mentally, them buying in and working hard every day and loving it, just having fun every single day and loving it and pushing each other and being great teammates. But, you know, it kind of all starts in the circle anyway. You know, you can do all that, but you've got to be able to back it up physically. And just the talent level has gotten better with the kids we brought in and um, just all of our returners pushing hard and everybody getting better every day in all aspects. I mean, defensively, we're a lot stronger. Offensively, Heather's done an awesome job with them and, and Mary Best done phenomenal with the pitching. Let's go to the circle because you have 24 of your 47 starts back from last year, but I know you brought in a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. How do you see things shaping up going into the opener? I'm excited. We have, you know, a lot of different arms. Everybody's a little bit different. Speeds are different. Pitches are different. You know, hitting locations and type of pitches are different. So um, when we see things in gameplay, it's it's hard to really judge it. Like how well are we really doing? Because the hitters will do well one time and then the, you know, the pitchers will do well. But it's good to see because it's not like one side's just dominating the other side. So that's kind of what you need to see to know that you're making strides. But yeah, I mean, you know, we've got Caston returning, which is awesome. You know, she'll she'll bring a solid feel to everything that everybody is comfortable with her and knows what she does. But uh, Bailey Holland threw really well um, this fall against South Carolina, so it's awesome to see her back. And then GA's really come a long way. Um, she's bringing some speed and a little bit of different pitch type. But yeah, I mean, we've got we got Morgan who's a little bit different. Elena's different, so. They're a little bit different based on each day, but it's good to have, you know, some totally different look than last year. How would you describe how pitching has changed in softball the last few years? You got to hit location and you got to change speeds. So it doesn't really matter what you're throwing. You got to be able to have, you know, be able to throw a strike pitch when you need a strike pitch, but you got to have some kind of an out pitch. So you can't sit there and just get it over the plate because people are going to hit it out of the park. So you got to find ways to be creative and throw strikes when you need to or get them to, to chase when you need to. So, you know, accuracy is important for sure. And with your defense, 56 errors in 47 games last year, it did look like it was much improved during the fall. But when you try to arrange things and put the deck chairs in a certain yeah. spot, I guess you could say, how do you align a defense to be the most successful? Well, you know what? Pitching makes defense better. <laughs> If the pitchers are better, they don't hit it as hard, for sure. So that's for starters. So we're definitely a lot better in the circle, which will help the defense. But, yeah, we've got some different people out there this year. Brought in some good kids. So 
our outfield's a little bit different, but our infield's different too. Um, and we've got we've got some depth this year, which we didn't have last year. And this year, it's like we can kind of do what we need to based on what pitcher we're facing, what opposing pitcher we're facing, and what we can do offensively and put some different different people out there defensively. You've got five of your top nine bats back from last year. We've got to begin with Janai Conklin, led the team with a 304 average, nine bombs, 24 RBIs. She won that Louisiana game pretty much by herself with two homers and six RBIs. But to have someone with the numbers and also the leadership, how much does that mean? I love that kid, first of all. She's absolutely hilarious. She's kind of deceiving because she's quiet, but she says the funniest things during practice when she's just feeding me balls back there and people have no idea the connection that we kind of have back there. But yeah, man, that's kind of awesome. That kind of blows me away with the stats. Yeah, she's she's amazing. She's a good hitter and she's really gotten better in the offseason, which is exciting for us. She also hit 324 in conference play, and we'll get to the fact that it's a much better league now than what was a really good league anyway. But to be able to say that she performed well against top competition, how does that bode well for 23? Yeah, I love it. I mean, she's kind of part of, you know, she's a cornerstone for us. There's no doubt. She's just calm. She's really calm at the plate. She's calm all the time anyway. That's just her temperament. Just a, a good kid to be able to rely on. She's really stepped up and been a leader speaking up a lot more than than she did last year too which you know people listen to her what does it take to be a good vocal leader well you kind of got to be able to back it up and not everybody wants to speak up and be the vocal leader because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings you know especially females so it's like you don't want to make enemies you want everybody to like you but you kind of can't always think that hey I want everybody to like me because you got to do what's best for the sake of the team but I think we also have a team this year that is accepting of someone critiquing or pointing things out. People have stepped up and taken on that leadership role, and others have stepped up and gone, yeah, we need to do this for the sake of the team. So it's been awesome to see. So instead of you having to step in and show you this is how it's done, this is how it's done, you can become more of a player-led unit. Yeah, they don't want me to step up and show them how it's done. (laughs) I did take a couple cuts the other day in practice, and I did not embarrass myself. So I was kind of proud of myself. I was like, man, I think I haven't swung like this in 20 years, but or maybe 30. I don't even know. I don't want to think about it, honestly. But, yeah, they they are more of getting to be more of a player-led team because, you know, we can't call time out every pitch and go out and, you know, have a discussion on the mound. We have discussed that – you know, they need to kind of take charge and have kind of like a buddy system out there a little bit and um, really key in to their teammates and see if, you know, it looks like, you know, we're kind of going into like a yellow light before red light hits, you know, and things like that um, about seeing it and taking control of the situation and stepping up and making a change. You train for this all year. Endless hours of cardio, conditioning, and weights. And now you are ready ready to trek back to your seat from the concession stand through the lines lost fans and that mascot who wants you to do a little dancey dance all without spilling a drop of your ice cold bud light welcome back to football sports fans and we've talked a couple of times on Hail Southern Live about how you keep things loose, how you keep things light. We talked about the snow codes. You got a big old kick yeah. out of that. But how do things like that help bring your team closer together? You know, I don't know if it's just I'm getting older or what it is because I kind of just want to have fun too. I mean, it's a lot of hours together. I don't know. We listen to music. Sometimes songs come on. Sometimes Tootsie Roll comes on. So I just got to, I'll kick it back to my college days and Tootsie Roll form. And, and you know, it kind of brings a laugh every time. So um, they're like, oh no, Park, here we go. And I'm like, okay, here it is. So just things like that, you know, just spur the moment. It's not like we plan stuff out. It's like things just kind of happen, but 
it's cool because everybody's has a different personality and it's funny to see some of their personalities. It's like, no way. I didn't know they were like that. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. Something I've noticed about your career year one is always the new unwrapping the package. Everything feels like it's a discovery day. Year two is when things really start to take shape and we can cover a lot of different parts of your career regarding that. But from your perspective, that second year, when do you really feel a program take hold? I don't know. Like I really felt this fall. I think, you know, you could see the changes every day in practice, but you don't know till you like really face a team. And when we played South Carolina, I was like, man, we really got something here, you know? You know, I think we could see that. And then it's, you just keep working every day, but I don't know. I'm excited. I mean, we have a, we have a tough schedule. There's no doubt, but we need to play teams like this. I mean, to get where we need to get, so I think we've really been trying to focus on, look, we've got to be resilient. We've got to be competitive. We've got to be resilient. We've got to fight. So we really put a lot of pressure on them in practice. It's obviously hard to replicate facing an Alabama or something like that in Florida State and Michigan and, you know, all these teams that we're playing. But I feel like if we play some of those teams, then that's going to help in conference and all that too and all the non-conference, other non-conference things. So we just got to keep working, you know, but but I can definitely see the difference. And it's cool to, when administrators come out to, to practice and walking through and they're like, man, I can I can see a difference. That kind of makes you feel good. As we sit here, you're just a couple of days away from making that trip to Tuscaloosa for the Easton leadoff classic. We mentioned the two games against Alabama, two games against Lehigh. Early on in the season, what kind of things do you need to see from a group to say that this is potentially going to be a special season? Yeah, I think we don't need to focus on wins and losses. And I, you know, and I look, I hate to lose. I love to win. I hate to lose. But we really need to focus on the things that are going to make those wins happen and things like that. So just playing small ball if we need to, find a way to get, get the sack bunts down. We got to find a way to get on. We got to get sack bunts down. We got to move runners. Just the same things that, you know, go into a game to create run production. We got to do those things. We've, We've got to do some situational hitting. You know, our kids are pretty unselfish. So if they need to hit a ground ball, we need to hit a ground ball. Then, you know, we've worked on things like that. And just they've got to be there for each other. You know, they've got to, they've got to play good defense. We've got to play clean. We've got to play fast. And pitchers have got to hit spots. So it's like everybody just kind of has to step up and do their job. But we've got to work together to do it. And I'm just looking for those things on a daily basis. You know, I think if we keep – we have goals every day. We do goal books every day. So I think if we could just continue on on that focus and um, have team goals, have individual goals, that we're going to get to where we need to be because I'm seeing changes every day. When you get back from Tuscaloosa, you get a chance to start a stretch of 11 straight home games. You've got five as part of the Gata Challenge, the 17th through the 19th, five more as part of the Bash in the Borough, 24th through the 26th. We mentioned the South Carolina game in the middle, first time the Eagles are playing the Gamecocks since 2013. Just one year over at Eagle Field, what's the atmosphere like? What's it like to coach here? I love it. It's fun. It's just – but the the team brings that, you know. It's like – I don't know. It, it's a cool environment because I love all the other coaches and all the other sports here. Admin's been awesome. So everybody comes out with their families, and it's cool to see you know their kids running around yeah. and bringing over the foul balls and just things like that. You see them, they're all up on the fence, and you get to talk to them. And just it's a cool atmosphere because everybody's all about it here. But, but the crowd, the, you know, like even the first fall that we were here, we had a really good crowd. And I was like, man, is it always like that here? It's cool. <laughs> People just come out, you know, and trying to get some of the alumni back to kind of, you know, keep making them feel like this is still their home type of thing. You know, it's cool to have them back.
this league is just two years removed from having four teams in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And now you add a James Madison who yeah. played for a College World Series championship, a Marshall squad that won 35 games last year. A couple of years ago, they won as many as 42. And, oh, by the way, you were at Southern Miss, so you know what that's like. A couple yeah. of College World Series appearances in 99 and 2000. So what more does that give what already is an impressive league when you've got a Louisiana who's pretty much the standard bearer in this conference? Yeah, it's really good for our league. I mean, the cool thing about our coaches is, you know, they're not super cutthroat. They want the best. We vote a lot on what's what's best for the conference when we're talking about, like, postseason stuff, like preparing for postseason stuff and kind of the conference tournament and things like that. But they're just – they're awesome to talk to. I don't know. Like, you know, I like Becky Clark a lot. She's awesome. I like Glasgow. Um, but everybody was always all super nice, you know, when in welcoming when I came into the league last year. But – you know, they're they're all in it for the sake of what's best for our league and getting the most teams in postseason. That's all we ever talk about. So I'm all about that. I'm on the bandwagon for whatever's going to be best for the league. What's going to be the story of this year's team as you sit here a couple days before the opener? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is, we're going to have fun doing it. So <laughs> I don't know. We're going to work hard. I know that. And we'll be much improved. So I don't know. I'm ready to get out there and just see what we got against other teams. Perk, we're excited to watch. Thanks for the time. Good luck this year. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's Georgia Southern softball head coach Sharon Perkins. We'll continue with Inside Eagle Nation right after this. It's time to pack your bags because Savannah Hilton Head International offers nonstop flights to a variety of major cities, including Denver, Miami, New York City, Washington, D.C., Cincinnati, Cleveland, and many more. Eight airlines, 26 nonstop destinations, Savannah Hilton Head International, the official airport of Georgia Southern Athletics. See where the airport can take you at flysav.com. In 2022, Georgia Southern Baseball took the next step. They found a way. For the first time since 1979, Georgia Southern has taken a series on the road from a top 10 team. 41 victories and hosting an NCAA regional for the first time in program history. Get your tickets now for the 2023 season. 30 home games at J.I. Clements. Call 1-800-GSU-WINS or visit gseagles.com slash tickets. Great stuff this week from Jarek McKinnon. Best of luck to him in the Super Bowl this coming Sunday with the Kansas City Chiefs and also head softball coach Sharon Perkins, whose team begins the 2023 season in Tuscaloosa this Friday at the Easton Leadoff Classic. We do remind you about Georgia Southern men's and women's basketball, the women on the road all weekend. They're at Old Dominion at 6.30 on Thursday before heading to Boone and Appalachian State on Saturday at 2 p.m. And for the men, they start the final six games of their season with four of those at home. Back-to-back contests at Hanner Fieldhouse starting this Thursday at 7 p.m. That'll be against James Madison for Equity and Inclusion Night in conjunction with the Sunbelt Conference. We'll also be honoring the more than 200 scholar-athletes who earned a 3.0 GPA during the fall semester. And on Saturday afternoon, the only matchup of the season against Arkansas State. That's a 3 p.m. tip. It's Georgia Southern Men's Basketball's Salute to Service. Eagle Nation, we will talk to you next week with plenty more across Georgia Southern Athletics. Until then, this is Danny Reed. And you've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation. You've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation, powered by Learfield, the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics.